Welcome to another episode of More Better. And today, I'm talking a little bit about cancel culture. So, let's do it. As you can see, I'm wearing a classic throwback Rockets shirt for my boy James Harden, who was recently attacked heavily on the Twitter world as well as the online magazine world and sports world for that matter. He did something too crazy for even me to talk about. Really, he just wore a face mask that supposedly had a blue line that signified uh, Blue Lives Matter. And if you haven't seen the picture yet, <laughs> he's just wearing a face mask that has a design on it. And people are saying it's for Blue Lives Matter. And I think it could might as well be, but the internet is in all uproar because of this. And this happened a few days ago. But it's just crazy how someone can wear something as simple as a blue line and get continually hounded, like take up the whole internet space just because of one post, one tweet, one thing um, that they did or said in one moment of time where he probably wasn't even thinking, or it says, it, he said that he was not thinking this was about police or Black Lives Matter or anything, um, but the internet clearly went off on him and decided that he was being, well, pretty much racist, but supporting, not defunding the police, supporting, uh, supporting the police and not Black Lives Matter. And cancel culture is very, toxic. And so with this specific incident, uh, James, I mean, wasn't canceled like some people, but a lot of people threw a lot of hate at him basically for no reason. And it's not like he lost his job. It's not like um, he was physically harmed. But in a lot of these instances where we see on the internet where people are just completely attacking someone, that takes a lot of emotional toil on you. And you have to spend time responding to all these people who want to interview now and spend time responding to Twitter. I mean, you don't have to spend time responding to it, um, but someone who's in the limelight, like Harden and other people that we'll discuss in a second, uh, they have to worry about their image. They have to worry about their job. They have to worry about their family. So they don't, they want to make sure they're, that the public sees them in the way that they want them to see them um, or not. But most of these people do. So it's interesting. And I mean, I don't blame them if that's if that's their livelihood, if they're a public figure um, and they don't want to get hounded for something they wear. Like, that's annoying. And no one should have to go through that emotionally. So let's talk a little bit about, a little bit more <laughs> to this um, outside of James. Where James's example is like, no one should get hounded for wearing a red shirt because it could mean this. Uh, or I have a blue book in the background, so I support blue. I support the police, but I don't support Black Lives Matter because I'm not wearing a Black Lives shirt or, you know, whatever. So let's let's talk a little bit about this cancel culture. What is it? How does it work? Um, in my definition, cancel culture is, is the mob, the internet mob, coming after anyone who who says something 
that is not completely um, on par with on par with the mob that's coming after them. So like James Harden, a lot of uh, NBA players are black. Most of them are black, and a lot of them support Black Lives Matter. That's great. That's awesome. But he decided to to wear something that could have signified that police lives matter and not black lives matter. And no, you can't have both in this world. In this planet, you can't have support for the cops and for black lives. You have to choose one or the other. And so, you know, NBA's sports world hating on him because of this. So he deviated from the common path, even if it was, if he didn't mean to, he deviated from it and now he's getting a lot of flack. We can also see this uh, from Terry Crews, who tweeted, uh, he didn't tweet All Lives Matter, he might have, but he, I saw him tweet uh, All Black Lives Matter, something like that, um, to pull in stuff about abortion and not just about um, cop killings, which Black Lives Matter focuses around a lot to push the, you know, the agenda for black lives in general. Um, but Terry was also wanted to pull in one of two things, um, he wanted to pull in the abortion statistics because abortion impacts most minority communities and a lot of percentage of that is black people. And then he also wanted to disassociate from the Black Lives Matter movement, um, as far as I'm aware, on that Black Lives Matter um, organization aspect of it. And so <laughs> you can see there's tons of people. I mean, Terry's tweets were way more center stage for way longer than Hardin's was. Um, but Terry Crews is a black man. And as a black man, according to this culture, you're supposed to agree with one thing, one perspective, or someone's going to try to come in there and tweet mean things about you, write mean articles about you, um, get you on a, a news host or get you on a, a political website and... <laughs> Uh, you know, debate you and argue with you and try to make you out to be whatever they make you out to be, less than a person, almost. Um, so there's these uproars happening because someone is deviating from the path. And the, so this is the, this culture around this thinking and thoughts and ideas that are almost like if you if you do something outside of this boundary, then the mob is going to come after you. And so the canceling part, I think, is happens in one or two ways. Um, the first one, I think, happens more, which is just the online mob. So, say, with James Harden, with Twitter, um, online mob. Um, not fully online mob, but the online mob comes and it brings awareness to this wrong that Terry did because he said this. And... Now this brings it into the public, public eyes, and he goes into the public conversation on news channels, um, sports channels. I don't think he's on sports channels, but news channels for sure. Um, and now he's presenting his case before an even wider audience. Not everyone follows him on Twitter. Not everyone reads Twitter um, like a bunch of these people that are in the mob or like a lot of journalists and publishers and politicians and you know, people like that, not everyone's following along to see what's going on. So you're bringing the mob and then you're bringing light to what that person did. And now you bring it into more of the public conversation. 
And now you're having dividing views on what this person said from one small little tweet or one face mask that the person wear, wore. Um, so that's part of the cancel culture. Uh, from basically online to more public, public uh, perspective and commentary and opinion on that person. And that can affect someone's real life. It can affect who Terry works with in the future. It can affect James Harden's family. It can affect um, what team picks him up, how his players respond to him. It can affect every aspect of their life. Um, if, if stuff like this becomes too big or too controversial or, you know, people don't agree with their stance on whatever it is, even if it's an accident, like, like uh, James's was, supposedly. Um, but then... The second or even third part of the cancel culture is the, the canceling. Um, so we see this in a lot of cases. Like a couple of years ago, a kid named James Damore from Google, he, uh, he basically wrote this article or inside memoir for his company talking about why or potentially the why and why there's not as many women in uh, computer science or in the STEM, in the STEM categories or STEM fields. Um, and he was just talking about biology and the tendency for women to go in people, uh, people careers and men to go into more things based careers. Um, yeah. And you can disagree to disagree, but a lot of what his paper was saying um, was actually based in research, was actually based in tons of research. And people who are in those fields agree with his, it's not even his assessment, it's just what the research says. And it's, and it's a possibility of why women uh, are not attracted to STEM fields as much as men are. And he, he literally got camp, like he literally, um, the memoir leaked, uh, a ton of people came after him. He ended up getting fired because it did not adhere to Google's lines. Um, he ended up going on a bunch of news news channels, um, talking, and I recently saw one with him and Jordan Peterson. And yeah, so he lost his job over this. And in the future, if people don't agree with him, and don't want to take on the baggage that he now carries, there's potential for him not to get jobs. So that's an extreme case. There's another extreme case um, from a guy named David Shore, who is, uh, I haven't pulled up here. He, uh, I think was a writer. Let's see. Or a researcher, somewhere, something where he sh shared research on his Twitter, and then he ended up losing his job because of it. I think it was... Uh, I can't remember, but anyways, this guy's a, in his, in his Twitter profile, it says he tries to elect Democrats. Um, so it's not like these are like party lines, uh, like hating on each other. It's, it's this like craziness on freedom of speech and freedom of ideas and going after each other and people will legit lose their jobs. And so this brings me into Harper's letter which I posted on my Instagram the other day. More better, go follow, read along, engage in conversation. 
Uh, but I gave a little breakdown on what this letter was. And so this letter was a bunch of mainly liberals, as far as I know, all liberals, of professors, writers, authors, um, yeah, people in major, major newspapers, major magazines, coming together uh, to write that basically this cancer culture or this war on thoughts and ideas has become too much. So I'm going to read a few quotes from it because I think it's so good. Um, so the main point of this letter is based on this quote right here. The free exchange of information and ideas, the lifeblood of a liberal society, is daily becoming more constricted. While we have come to expect this on the radical right, since seriousness is also spread more widely in our culture. An intolerance of opposing views, a vogue for public shaming and ostracism, and the tendency to dissolve complex policy issues into a, in a blinding moral certainty. And it continues on to, like, why are they writing this letter? Why are they writing this letter, um, all these people coming together to write this letter? And it's basically for the fear of losing their jobs and their well-being. Uh, they quote, quoting it, Editors are fired for running controversial pieces. Books are withdrawn from alleged inauthenticity. Journalists are barred from writing on certain topics. Professors are investigated for quoting works of literature in class. A researcher is fired for circulating a peer-reviewed academic study. That one was about David Shore. And the heads of organizations are ousted for what we sometimes what are sometimes just clumsy mistakes. And so we see these liberals coming together to say, hey, the people <laughs> who tend to be on the left to cancel other people because the language is not correct or their views are not correct uh, tend to be on the far left. And so these liberals are writing this letter saying that this culture on the far left has gone too much. It's too much and we've gone too far with it and we need to allow for freedom of thought. Good ideas win. The way to defeat bad ideas is by exposure, argument, and persuasion, not by trying to silence or wish them away. We refuse any false choice between justice and freedom, which cannot exist without each other. I love that, that part in there. We refuse any false choice between justice and freedom, which cannot exist without each other. We need to preserve the possibility of good faith disagreement without dire professional consequences. So we have a bunch of these liberal writers, and I was going to name a few of them. You should know at least two of two of these. Um, J.K. Rowling, Rowling, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, you know, Harry Potter, who was almost recently canceled as well. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, extremely good writer. I actually haven't read his books, but I've listened to him talk before. And I have one of his books that I need to read over there. Um, John McCorder, Thomas Chatterton Williams, Barry Wise, Jonathan Haidt, and the list goes on and on. I don't know all the names. Those are some of the ones I do know. Uh, but these people are, or are either centrist or identify as liberal, which is crazy because some of these people are the ones that are getting attacked by this freedom of speech, this uh, constraining of language and ideas. Um, but just like in the in the in the letter, um, good ideas win. Good ideas. So 
We don't need to stop the flow of ideas because the bad ones will eventually lose, not the good ones. And when we start to censor ideas in, in general, bad ones are going to win, not the good ones. The good ones are inevitably going to win if you have a free society. Like, like look, at, look at the way that America has grown. Look the way that it was built on the foundation of, of free thought and free speech. Like if the capitalist nature of America, though it can be argued with how good and how bad it is, it's clear that we are one of the richest, wealthiest nations in the world. Um, that we, the amount of people that have come out of poverty is insanely good. Um, the amount of science and research and um, everything in the STEM fields is inventions like all these things are way better than any country that's ever been uh, i was watching a video the other day where our um declaration of independence i believe or constitution uh basically july 4th um declaration so whenever we became independent um that was you know over 200 and almost 50 years ago now um, that's the longest that any country has been on one document. And we've made, you know, additions to that document, addition amendments. But that's the longest that we've ever had in the world, in the history of the world. Um, so it's not the good ideas only happen when you have free speech, when you only have free room of thought and ideas and imagination and dreaming. Once you shut that down, then you stop that progress. You stop um, growing. And this is part of the reason why people have a problem with things like socialism. Um, yeah, just socialism. <laughs> it's because you basically shut off people's will, people's desire to grow and to make something of their lives. Um, and while that can be debated as well, I think the principle stands that when you start shutting off people's dreams and desires um, and you shut off their power and you shut off who they are as people and their identity and um, how they see things, how they imagine things, then you shut off, you shut off the potential to grow. And that we cannot have because that ends in bad things. And in my, in my Instagram post, I literally said, Controlling people always ends in genocide. This is this is the problem I personally have with Marxism and communism. It's because these ideas where everyone is equal actually just removes their identity from them and ends up becoming a genocide. There's no there's no country existing today that hasn't ended in genocide because of Marxist or communism thoughts or the way that it was implemented. It's because of those ideas. I'm not going to say this the rest of this podcast, but that can be debated as well. Um, but I say it because the principle still stands on removing people's identities is bad. And removing people's dreams and thoughts is a bad idea. Free speech is a bad... Or removing free speech is a bad idea. And that's how you, you always get people... In order to get people to be controlled and to be one and to live on the same playing field, you have to you have to get people to be dumbed down. You have to get people to not think outside of the box, to do things differently. 
So, back to the letter. Why is this letter important? It's important because these high-end people from high-end universities and writers from major newspapers that are super highly intelligent, established in their career, usually on the left, liberal, um, first off, they're brave enough to push back against the narrative of what they see going on, and that is amazing. Second off, um, they see from their own party that the suppression of free thought has gone too far, and that should be made aware to everyone. I mean, I just listed off a few, four, four or five incidences in the past um, week, well, James DeMora's one was from a couple years ago, but the past week, there's been multiple people that have gotten fired from their jobs, or there's been the mob that's gone after them, and that's unacceptable, because if you are afraid to say, or to do, or to think differently, then we can't progress, and we can't grow, and people can't live in freedom, and we are made to live in freedom. So, what do we do? Oh, I know what I was going to do. I had something else I wanted to read on here. Um, here's a tweet from Ben Shapiro. Uh, it is not enough that Americans have constitutional rights to free speech. We can't live with each other unless we have a culture of rights in which we respect each other's rights to say things we don't like. That's disappearing incredibly fast, which is spectacular spectacularly dangerous. I love Ben. I used to love him more. I might do a full episode on him. <laughs> Let me know. But uh, we must respect each other's rights to say things that we don't like. We might, we must not just have a law that says freedom, uh, we have freedom of speech. Because if there's a culture that says we don't have freedom of speech, then we technically don't have freedom of speech because the culture doesn't allow you. Because if you say anything, outside of the norm, you're literally afraid to lose your livelihood, you're afraid to lose your income, your house, um, yeah, just your emotional and physical well-being, that's unacceptable and that's not freedom. Another quote from Dave Rubin, who identifies as a classical liberal, Ben obviously is conservative, um, so this is from Dave, he says, one reason why I'm hopeful for the future is that cancel culture will eventually cancel itself. There will be nobody left to destroy. Then the rebuilding can begin. The question is how much carnage it will cause during its implosion. You are the correction. You are the answer. So cancel culture, one that attacks emotionally, physically, most <laughs> mainly emotionally. Um, but that is real. That's serious. Two, it can go even further to canceling you in your real life, your real job, losing your job, losing um, respect, losing people that looked up to you, losing a whole lot more. Um, three, universities and news publications, news newspapers. I never know what to call them. Do you call them newspapers, websites, journalists? Anyways, things like the New York Times and New York Magazine and Times Magazine. Times Magazine? <laughs> Anyways, uh, 
yeah, things like universities and major news newsletters, news sources. <laughs> Those things are the bedrock, almost the bedrock to our, um, our world, America. We have the bed, like part of the bedrock of America's free speech, but universities where we train young people to become adults. And it's known that universities are packed with liberal ideology. It's, I saw a stat the other day, I think this might have been for one university, um, but I, I'm guessing it's similar. Um, so this one university had 90% liberals, uh, maybe it was like 6 or 7% moderates, and then like 2-3% conservative. And if I were to bet, it would be kind of similar across the board on universities. I would definitely take it down on the liberal side, maybe 70% liberals at universities. Um, if you go to a Christian university, I bet it's even lower, of course, but there's not that many of those. So that's really important to know. Like we have universities and we have people that work in these universities and we have people that work in these major newspapers and are saying, like, if we are seeing this ourselves as liberals who write and who are dedicated to these places, if we're seeing this problem and now we're going to come together and say that this is a problem then that's something we need to be aware of and know that it's not just conservatives saying that universities have a problem or magazines have a problem. It's that we do have a problem, no matter what side you're on, that free speech should flow. And now that more liberals are jumping on board to this problem that a lot of conservatives have seen for years, um, it's, it's going to come down to some end where there's got to be some break in how we function as a culture and as a society and are we going to allow a twitter mob um to run rampage on people or people are going to step up and say no that that's too much like that's too much hate and too much bigotry and too much racism on people and that differ like you're just going to hate on them because they differ in thought like we can't have that and so it's cool to see people from the conservative side and people from the liberal side agreeing on this perspective that it's gone too far and that sucks it's had to get to this point um but now we're breaking into it and <laughs> the funny thing about this letter it did not come without its hate on the internet a lot of people hated on it a lot of conservatives hated on it um i didn't read any specific rejections to the letter but i saw a bunch of headlines on it so that kind of tells you like this is this is a cultural war going on this is a ideological freedom free speech war happening and we need to stand up we need to start doing we need to just be aware of it we need to know what's going on and if people in our lives are you know involved in stuff like that like let's stop that that's stupid stuff like we need freedom of speech and we need to be able to engage with one another and we need to be able to argue with one another and I need to be able to be friends with liberals and I need to be friends with conservatives and libertarians and conservatives and anyone and everyone in between. Like, it's the same thing with the race. Like, I should be able to friend, be friends with every race, no matter what our beliefs, no matter our upbringing, no matter our perspective, no matter our religion. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we are people and we need to gauge, engage with one another because that's, you know, that's what we're called to be and how we thrive as a society. So let's end with this. Um, cancel culture sucks. And 
don't partake in it. Excuse me. But we can actively we can actively support and engage in honest and open conversation with people that we know and people on the internet. So being angry and being mad and being part of a mob is it's not it's not helpful. It's not supportive. It's not good. It's not pushing society forward. It's just trash. It's just trash. So let's not cancel people. Let's not try to cancel people. Let's not even think that it's a good idea. And let's push, let's, you know, hold our free speech tightly because we need it. So we can grow. That's about all my thoughts on this cancel culture. Once again, check out the More Better Co. on Instagram. And thank you for listening. Share it with a friend. Share it with your family. And don't go get yourself canceled out there. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to The More Better Show with me, your host, Chris Hume. We will continue to explore topics like culture, politics, the indwelling of love, and the power that comes from your beliefs. The more isn't what you do, but who you are. You have more than you think. You are better than you believe. We are the redeemers and reconcilers to a world that is becoming more better. Thank you again for listening, and share it with someone you know who could benefit from this episode or any other episode you listen to. Until next time, you are great. Go conquer the day. See you out there.